0: You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. After making the crossing to the other side of the sea, Jesus and his disciples came to land at at Gennesaret and tied up there. As they were leaving the boat, people immediately recognized him. They scurried about the surrounding country and began to bring in the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Whatever villages or towns or countryside he entered, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch only the tassel of his cloak, and as many as touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This past week we had the Mass downstairs in the Encounter Chapel, and there we have that beautiful painting of the woman touching Jesus' robes. And this was not an isolated incident because in this text of Mark's Gospel it says, as many as touched it were healed. But it also adds another little detail, it says, she wanted to touch the tassel on his cloak and that's a very specific detail which refers to the they're called tzitzit, the little strings that hang from the cloak of the pious Jews who wear that still today and this goes back into deep into the Old Testament times, it's mentioned in the book of Numbers and the book of Deuteronomy and they had even a little blue thread there of the the famous uh, blue color and so this was significant because uh, these tassels were reminders that they were free, that they were no longer slaves. And they were reminders of the fidelity to the law of God. To the Torah, the teaching, the statutes of God and therefore were a reminder to do good things in accord with God's will uh, all uh, the time. And then there are also two references in the books of the prophets Malachi and Zechariah, where the corners of the cloak of the priest or the Messiah, or the, they would have special power. And even today, when the, the special blessings are given at the new year, they hold the corners when the, they are giving the blessing out with the cloak. And so there's that great sensitivity, so the understanding is then they were touching this because of the blessing of God, uh, of this pious people in their union with God. At this time, at the beginning of these tassels, they were wandering in the desert. They didn't have a temple. And now we have the celebration of the founding of the temple in Jerusalem, And David wasn't allowed to build it, but Solomon does. And so today we have the carrying of the Ark from the city of David up into the new temple, which was gloriously built by Solomon. And there we have that great sense of liturgy. The whole people are coming, they're coming up, They're coming with joy, with song, with prayer, with sacrifice. And we remember how David came with the ark into Jerusalem. So there's an echo of this. There's a resonance of this in this account here from the book of Kings. And so we see a people that's a priestly people, a people of worship, a people that is adoring God, where God is the center of their lives, the center of their town, the center of their people. And so from this time on, obviously the temple in Jerusalem, although the book of Genesis gives us a holiness in Jerusalem with the high priest Melchizedek already at the time of Abraham. So many, many centuries before Solomon. And this is just part of a whole thread. And when we, from a Christian perspective, when we remember what Jesus did in Jerusalem. In the temple of Jerusalem, he was there present. He was presented in the temple as a a child. Uh, he went on pilgrimage to the temple with Joseph and Mary, and he was lost and found at the temple. And then he went to teach at the temple. And then there was the conflict with the authorities and then the whole teaching of our own persons as temple. He said, destroy this temple and in three days I will rebuild it and they understood after the resurrection he was referring to his body. And so then Paul says, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. So there's a very long thread of development of the concept and also of the spiritual nature of being temples of God. And what's interesting here in the Gospel today is it happens in Gen- Gen- Gennesaret. And we're living in the pla- plain of Gen- Gennesaret here. It's a low area from Magdala up to the multiplication of the loaves more or less to Tabgha. It's a very fertile plain that's fed by a couple of different streams, uh, from the, especially the Wadi Amud and the Wadi Hamam. These are uh, dry rivers, but now they have lots of water in them after all the rain. And so they're the sources, the major sources of the water in this valley, which is very flat and very fertile. It's absolutely a uh, marvelous soil and wonderful crops of all kinds have been praised here over centuries uh, by different visitors and, and pilgrims. So just up the lake, the lake is out here about a hundred yards from here. Okay. A little less. And then just up the lake, a few hundred yards, somewhere along there, Jesus comes with his disciples into the shore and they start bringing the sick. But this passage of Mark's gospel, while it mentions that he came to this concrete place, it's describing in a more general way that this is happening all over in every town he came to in the different marketplaces that he came to wherever he showed up in the countryside, the people brought their sick to him. And there we have that contact with the temple of God, with the presence of God in their lives, and also the restoration of their strength when they come in contact with Jesus, with that salvation, with that power of healing. So I don't know, when I read this word of the psalm, Lord, go up to the place of your rest, in the sense of the people, they wanted to have a fixed place for God so he could rest, but God doesn't need a fixed place to rest, God is God. We need a place to rest, and to find in the presence of God in his temple the place to rest. And if we are also the temple of God, to have the quiet to rest in the presence of God who lives in us, the quiet to have time of prayer, of not being running all over the place with our mind, with our imagination, but to slow down and to have peaceful rest with God who lives in us. There's a lot in these readings to prompt us to grow in our closeness to God and be aware that God is close to us, and be it in the physical temple. And where we can go and we have a sense of the divine, a sense of holiness, a sense of God's presence, but also that presence of God that's everywhere and in every person. And that great sanctuary, the great respect we should have before that temple of God whom we are. And this was the core of of, uh, Agatha. Also Agnes was a martyr. And the lack of respect to somebody in her martyrdom. The lack of respect to her person and how easily it is to betray our identity and the true nature of ourselves and how to, we can easily disrespect ourselves, disrespect our bodies, our souls, our minds and we have a great to, to protect the holiness of our person and Agatha was had this extraordinary courage as a teenager most likely and she stood for that principle and she had her identity before God and lived it completely. And because of the opposition against her and the taking of her life through extraordinary cruelty, um, she is an extra- a wonderful, outstanding image of holiness, the presence of God among his people. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.